0: The Holy Gospel according to Luke in the first chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month for her who was said to be barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. The Gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. may be seated. So, I, I've got a bit of a tangential story to get us started today. Um, some of you know I'm a bit of an evangelist. Um, sometimes it's for Jesus, but <laughs> sometimes it's also for other things. Um, and I'm a bit of an evangelist for this podcast that I really like to listen to called Ologies ologies as in like biology, those types of things. It's pretty much a science podcast about different studies within science. And honestly, I'll tell almost anybody about it. Um, So Ethan and I went down to my family's house in Illinois for Thanksgiving, and this was a six hour drive. So naturally, I made him listen to lots of these podcasts on our way. (laughs) But there was one that we were both really interested in and really hooked on that I want to share with you today about. It was vampirology. Yeah, Hmm. the study of vampires, in case you didn't know what that was. Okay, but don't worry, we are going to get to the gospel, I promise. It leads into it. So there are a lot of things we might think about vampires in our modern minds. Things like blood sucking, Count Dracula. Maybe if you're of my generation, Twilight and Edward Cullen, maybe. Um, We see them as immortal, strong, evil. They don't like the sunlight, right? They live in coffins. Someone reminded me of that this morning. To ward them off, you should wear a lot of garlic around your neck, right? Yeah, these are all things we know. Those are all kind of things we have in our imagination about vampires. But the most interesting thing in learning about vampires was where they started. And now this podcast was hosted by a college professor, so it wasn't just some like weird internet person. Um, But in the folklore of Eastern Europe, people were just like us many centuries ago, They often struggled to explain why certain things happened, like relatively healthy people all of a sudden getting sick and wasting away. And so the vampire helped them with that. When someone in the community came down with a disease that caused them to waste away, something like anemia or maybe cancer, something unexplainable, All of a sudden they would say oh well it must be a vampire. Now scientifically we probably know that vampires don't exist. I don't want to ruin your hopes and dreams if you're a believer but probably not right. Our modern minds we like to think that we know everything right about the modern world and the world around us. Honestly, if you're somebody who has ever entered the hospital sick or spent days waiting for a diagnosis for a loved one, you know how real the desire to have an explanation can be. One thing to keep in mind is that those folks who were plagued by things that they couldn't understand, vampires to them were very, very real. And the expert on vampires said something really interesting that caught my attention about myth and folklore. It was that everyone's religion is someone else's myth. In our religions and our myths, in our folklores and in our stories, we put faith and trust in something we can't always explain or something that may seem a little too wild for someone else. So, before we scoff at someone else's belief system, we must remember the origins of ours as Christians, the story that we heard today, an origin that if you heard it for the first time, it might sound a little wild and a little bit unbelievable, right? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Today, we hear the story of the foretelling of Jesus's birth. First off, we get a young, unremarkable girl who is told that she is somehow favored by God and that God is with her. And within that favoring, she's told that if she says yes, she's going to bear a child from the Holy Spirit and that the child will be very, very special. It will be the Messiah, the one whom the Israelite and Jewish people have been waiting for for about 2,000 years now. Somebody who's going to save the people. And now it's shocking enough that she could have a remarkable baby. But on top of that, she's a young virgin, a young unwed woman. And if she is going to say yes to this angel, she's undoubtedly going to come into a lot of question and judgment from the community around her. She might even be shunned or called names. And yet, with the knowledge of all of that, she still says yes. After the scary angel speaks to her and proclaims what could happen to her, a message that is indeed remarkable, hopeful, and still leaves a lot of unknowns, her affirmation is very clear. Here am I, the servant of the Lord, let it be with me according to your word. That is just a fancy way of saying yes. Now, in our Advent devotional book, one that you can find out on the welcome table if you're interested, Carmel Bouglin writes, perhaps the most remarkable annunciation in this passage is not the messenger's revelation to Mary, but Mary's yes to the call. Because as people, we love to know We want to know the explanation behind things, and we don't like to believe things until we have all the facts or information. And that goes for what we're jumping into as well. We want to make good and informed decisions. We pride ourselves on that. We'd love to say yes, knowing exactly how things are going to pan out. But saying yes to God in particular is not often something that can be backed up by facts or evidence. Sometimes it just involves a little bit of belief, a whole lot of trust, and the knowledge of who our God is. Mary's yes sounds like a huge leap of faith. And in many respects, it certainly is. I want you all to think about the different yeses you have said in your life, maybe to a first date, maybe to trying for a new baby, to a new job, to moving to a new city, to a new college, to being on a committee or a board, to being bullied by your pastor into being a Sunday school teacher, Um, (laughs) maybe into something wild that you've never tried before like a sport or a club, or maybe it was an invitation to church. Maybe you said yes, and that's why you're sitting here today. It takes a lot to say yes to things. It's a lot of trust. It's a lot of risk. It's a lot of not knowing fully how things will pan out or end. Within every yes, we take a gamble, because we can really never see the fullness of the outcome. And I presume that none of you have any secret crystal balls that you can tell the future with. No? Okay. (laughs) No. (laughs) Yeses are just as scary as being visited by giant angels. But I was thinking in retrospect about all of the yeses you all as a congregation have said yes to over the past few years. Faithful people have said yes to an asylum-seeking family, right? Those who have said yes to hosting an emergency shelter, to revamping our sound and visual equipment so that people can worship with us in lots of different places. Um, and a fateful three years ago when you said yes to both Pastor Andrew and myself. Remember, you said yes, and that's why we're here. So <laughs> lots of yeses things that have ended in different ways, but things that have all been so faith-filled. And while Mary knew that the child would be special, she didn't know fully how things would end. And I wonder if what really motivated her to say yes was the first thing that the angel says to her. The angel says, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. The unknown is scary. Even bearing a special child like Jesus was scary. Mary bore love and loss and the fullness of life in her, yes. But in the midst of all of that, there was something that carried her through. There was a constant It was the knowledge that she was favored by God and that God was truly with her. She knew this, and I think no matter what we might be afraid of saying yes to, we can remember that as well. See, you all are also God's favored ones. God is also with all of you. And the angel says something really amazing will happen when we say yes to God. The angel says nothing is impossible with God when God is with us, when we know that we are the favored ones. That is our spark of faith. That is what causes us to hope and to trust in something that to others may sound unbelievable. That is what allows us to say yes to something we would never attempt on our own. And this story of Mary is a reminder as well. It's a reminder that if we never say yes, we never get to know what awaits us. We never make it to the manger with Mary and Joseph and the Christ child. We never get to see God at work in wonderful, unexpected, miraculous ways. And we never get to grasp the promise that the angel makes. Nothing is impossible with God. We never get any of that if we don't jump in and say yes. So today, what is holding you back from saying yes to God? What's stopping you from jumping in? Because God is already there with you, no matter what the yes might hold. Amen.